in the name of Jesus. Revelation tells us John looked, he saw a great company. He looked and saw it on the Lord's day. Exiled on Patmos may not have been what he was expecting or was even looking for. So on this Lord's day, what are you looking for? On the day we're observing all saints, it's a tough question to ask. What are you looking for? That nah, doesn't quite capture it. Who are you looking for? That's a better fit. For the great company might be innumerable, countless, but it's not nameless or faceless. You know the names, remember the faces, but you do not see them. Thanks be to God, then, that the Nicene Creed gives us a good confession for our tough question today. What are you looking for? I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. The Nicene Creed is the gift of a good confession, but it must give us this good confession. Because as we sang throughout the week last week, our flesh has not those pure desires the spirit of the law requires. Or as John puts it today, what we will be has not yet appeared. And so we end up looking for all sorts of fleshly things, the desires of our sinful flesh. What are you looking for? Why are you here? All sorts of reasons. Are they good ones? With pure and holy intentions? Are you pure and holy in your daily life? What are you looking for in your daily life? If you're baptized, being raised with Christ, as Paul puts it in Colossians 3, then seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. But it's not just seeking or looking for the wrong things in this life. Our flesh causes us to look, uh, look for all sorts of things in eternal life, too looking for comfort or hope or faith in all the wrong places or ideas. We're affected by a worldly culture that causes us to look forward to an eternal life that God never promises, a false faith operation perpetrated by the devil and his demons. Eternal life gets turned into something uh, like the ancient uh, equivalent of the, what they called the Elysian Fields. You get a glimpse of this idea if you've ever seen the movie uh, The Gladiator, where the main character is looking forward to go to, to those fields where he might be uh, eternally with his family. And he does get there in the movie. For us 
In our modern context, though, eternal life often is described or thought of as whatever past time that uh, the departed uh, enjoyed in this life. Or, many Christians may not like the idea that our relationships will enter a completely different phase in eternal life. You will be you in the resurrection. And, as far as Scripture hints to us, we will recognize other people in eternal life. It's just that the relationship we had with them ended at death. And yet, we will enjoy eternal life with them. They are, they are them as much as you are you. And we will enjoy forever with them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Jesus says in Matthew 22, in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. It might frustrate us, but it shows how much our flesh sets its mind on not things above, but things on earth. Besides that, do we really like or agree with what we sang uh, last Sunday? And to take they are life Goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone, our victory has been won. The kingdom ours remaineth. Another hymn puts it this way. It's a hymn that sings to Jesus these words. Earth has no pleasure I would share. Yea, heaven itself were void and bare if thou, Lord, wert not near me. These hymns, like the Nicene Creed, draw a good confession out of us. Because how often heaven, we think heaven is bare if someone we love is not there. Our sinful flesh affects what we're looking for and who we're looking for. These fleshly realities often dominate our lives, they get stuck. A playlist on loop in our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Turned from the Lord, we set up these desires and the things we look, long for, look for, look forward to as our idols. Yet, you shall have no other gods before me, the sun speaks at Sinai. In other words, 100% of the time, look for and to me alone. And yet, in spite of you, this Lamb sanctifies you anew by bringing you to repentance and strengthening your faith in Him. Only He can do this. Because saints aren't holy because they did holy things or more holy things than other people. No, saints are saints, even you, because of Jesus alone. Robes washed and white in the blood of the Lamb. Everyone who hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. 
Today, he is repenting and strengthening you again by showing you something from Revelation 7. He's showing it to you to strengthen your hope in him. For everyone who hopes in him is pure like him, a saint. And Jesus promises his saints they shall see God. You will. That's just not yet, as John says. And yet he also says, we are God's children now. And so there is something that you can see now by faith. The very thing Jesus wants to show you today, dear saints of God. Jesus wants you to see this. God's saints, all of them, are always together around his and the Lamb's throne. I say this because the Lord promises to be present in certain places. As the Old Testament tells us, Psalm 99, one example, that he dwelt between the cherubim of the tabernacle and temple. He promises to be wherever his name is spoken and placed, like holy baptism. He promises to be wherever his word is. He promises to be wherever his forgiveness is spoken, wherever and whenever his body and blood are given out. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. And whenever the Lord comes to a place, he's never alone. Jesus comes with his Father and the Spirit, of course. But even Father, Son, and Spirit is never alone. He brings his angels with him. He brings all his saints with him, the whole company of heaven, too. God reveals this to us from time to time in the Bible. It's clear in Hebrews 12, uh, as well as Isaiah 6. But another clear example is Psalm 116. This was our psalm for the week a couple weeks back. And I only picked up on this after praying it throughout the week as a family at home and also at Good Shepherd. When you only get the abbreviated version in DS1, uh, Divine Service Setting 1, you'll miss it. In Psalm 116, we pray this. I will pay my vows to the Lord, now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And a little bit later on, we pray again, I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. And so we see that when the psalmist says, in the presence of all the Lord's people, he does mean all his people, even the departed saints. Isaiah witnesses this gathering at the temple in Isaiah 6. 
because God's saints, all of them, are always together around his and the Lamb's throne. And this is exactly what's happening today. It's not something you need to hope for or even look for. Look no further than here and now. Today, we drink the cup of salvation full of Jesus' blood. We eat his body too. He gathers us together to do this as the Lamb of God who's taken away all your sins. The reason why we sing uh, John 1.29 as our first communion hymn every time we have it. We are gathered around his and his Father's throne as his saints, washed in the blood of the Lamb, for his blood set us free to be people of God. The throne of God the Father and the Lamb, his Son, dominates the heavenly dwelling. It dominates the space, even as it dominates Revelation 7. The throne before the throne is used seven times. And this is why our forefathers wanted an altar that would dominate this space. Not only as a symbol of God's throne, but as the focal point, the gathering point. So that even your church building would confess that God's saints, all of them, are always together around his and the Lamb's throne. And we really are around in a circle. And so uh, the area where the altar resides is a little bit rounded off at the tops. Apse is the architectural term, but besides that, this means that when we gather for communion, our table or circle is completed on the eastern side of the altar. Christ in the center, giving out his body and blood. Us, here, receiving it in faith to our great joy for the forgiveness of all our sins. And beyond us, the saints are gathered, rejoicing in the same blood, for it cleansed their robes and made them white. And it's why uh, here at Bethlehem, these two windows are designed with the most ornate stained glass in the building to echo the light and beauty that exists in eternal life, which is just on the other side of the altar. And so as we gather to receive Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith, we are not alone. It is not just us here. Not just Jesus with his Father and the Spirit. Not just with angels and archangels. We do sing the great song to of Isaiah 6 with them. Maybe even bowing with them because they are. Uh, but we are here. Also here. And singing with all the company of heaven. For God's saints, all of them. All of them. Are always together. Around his and the Lamb's throne. In the name of Jesus.